Thanks for joining us. You're listening to Living Fountains with Pastor Jim Stewart of Calvary Chapel, Kansas City. Today, our study is in the book of 2 Samuel. If you're in a place where you can grab your Bible and follow along with us, we invite you to do so. And if you'd like more information on Living Fountains or Calvary Chapel, Kansas City, you can visit our website at calvarychapelkc.com. Now, let's join Pastor Jim for today's study. So this evening, let's turn to 2 Samuel chapter 11. In our last study, we kind of spent a little bit of time on verse 1, so we'll move through that pretty quick because uh, we spent a lot of time there and covered a lot of ground with staying in the battle. It happened in the spring of the year at the time when kings go out to battle that David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel and they destroyed the people of Ammon and besieged Rabbah, but David remained at Jerusalem. And from this verse 1 on through into chapter 12 a little ways, there's a sequential flow of the decline that happens through sin. So sin has ramifications, it has results. We'll talk about some of that, but it kind of plays out for us in a word picture, just painted very wonderfully through uh, the scripture here tonight. But it starts off with not staying in the battle. So we talked about the significance of being engaged. The battle's raging on. We're all in it. We're all a party to it. But it really just depends upon whether we're engaged and seeing our circumstances and our situations for what they really are. That's really part of the key in it uh, and, and really recognizing. So this is a time when the kings normally went out to battle. David decides that, you know what, I'm just going to take a break. I'm just going to, I deserve a break, so I'm just going to relax and kick back here at Jerusalem while the other guys go out. I've been doing this for years. Maybe it's time for them to do this, so I deserve a break. I deserve to relax. I deserve to kick back. This is kind of the mentality that David had, and it was the beginning of a serious decline in decisions and situations, and sin really took opportunity. I think that's part of the key to observe in this is that sin took opportunity because he didn't stay engaged in the battle. He didn't see that his place was to be out in battle and to stay in the battle. And uh, he chose not to willingly of his own. And then here we go. Verse two, the ramifications start, things start setting up. Because had he been out and engaged in the battle and focused on what he was supposed to be focused on, the other subsequent things would not have occurred. That's the importance of this. The other things would not have occurred if he was focused on what he's supposed to be focused on and doing what he's supposed to be doing. Then it happened one evening that David arose from his bed and walked on the roof of the king's house. And from the roof, he saw a woman bathing, and a woman was very beautiful to behold. So David sent and inquired about the woman. And someone said, is this not Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? And David sent messengers and took her, and she came to him, and he lay with her, for she was cleansed from her impurity, and she returned to her house. And the woman conceived, so she sent and told David and said, I am with child. So, a lot of stuff, verses 2 through 5 to think through, a lot of possibility in that. One of the questions is, is does she know what she's doing? Is this just an ignorant thing? 
She doesn't know that the king can see from that vantage point if he went out on his balcony. I'm giving you generalities, but he goes out on his balcony. Does he, she did not know, or does she know exactly what she's doing? These are unknowns to us. They're unknowns. The interesting thing, ultimately, through this, David is held accountable regardless. As a man, David is held accountable for his actions and his vantage point and what he did in that circumstance. So, obviously, I'm sure there's tremendous heartache and a lot of things happen for her, too. No doubt that plays out in this whole story through the next few chapters. We're only going to do part of that tonight. But you remember in our last message, we started off with one of the things, one of the three things that Satan uses, and his MO hasn't changed. One of the three things is the lust of the eyes. So that was one of the things. Surely that played out. I actually can see a couple things in here because certainly the pride of life kind of comes into play too in that, uh, you know, David really kind of feels like he's above uh, other, other people in, in, a, in a sense. And uh, certainly the king, but not above other people in a sense of sin and issues where God's concerned, right? And, but yet it, it, he, he sent, inquired about who this was, and then he sent messengers and took her. So, obviously, he sought after and pursued something, even knowing what he was doing. That, so, again, what was the thing that we, one of the things that we learned is you don't really fall into sin. You walk into sin. Now, I understand the term is used, yes, there's been some, this person's fallen, you know. You know and this is a, a, a term we use kind of to describe a, a human failure in sin. And we use the term, though, that person fell or that person, you know, okay, I understand. I get the Christianese vernacular on that, you know, what we're saying by using that term. But in a sense, sometimes that kind of puts us more in like we're in a victim situation. Uh, You know, I didn't, I just, you know, and I fell. You know, it's like, well, no, you walked and made decisions every step of the way that led to an issue that occurred and became a sin, a matter of sin, right? He sought out after. He saw her. He found out who it was. It's someone else's wife, and he still sent messengers to bring her to him, right? So obviously, this is just full of, of, of problems as far as that goes, full of actions, decisions being made that led to subsequent further problems. So This is the beginning of it. This is the sin issue. So the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, and the lust of the flesh. You know, all of those things are certainly all in play here. But we know this is Satan's MO, right? We learned that last week. Any one of those things, or all three of those things, or two of those things, all of those things are Satan's MO, how he tries to deceive us, any human being, through sin. In James chapter 1, beginning with verse 12, We kind of get an insight as we get started in this process, kind of actually just about the process itself. Kind of James kind of gives us kind of a a quick rundown, beginning with verse 12 in chapter 1 of James. Blessed is the man who endures temptation. Now, remember, the word trial or temptation or testing are all basically the same term in the Greek. Testing and and temptation are are interchangeable. It's the same Greek word. So there's no distinction in the word because Satan means it to be something to entice us to sin. Therefore, temptation. 
God allows it as a testing to prove out who he is in our lives. God wants to use this for good for you and I to prove out who he is, that he can have victory if we are to walk in the Spirit. Okay, If we're to trust in the Lord, to turn away from sin, you see what I'm saying? God wants to use that in a way that would bring him honor and glory. So, blessed is the man who endures temptation. So there's blessing in the endurance in, in going through a trial, a testing, a temptation. There's a blessing in that. For when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. So there's this awesome blessing in pursuing an endurance through a trial or a testing or a temptation to doing what would please the Lord and walking in the Spirit. There's great blessing and reward in that. Verse 13, let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. So again, the word tempt and test are interchangeable in the Greek. But when God is using that, it means it has a certain implication. It's to be a testing to prove out the value of who he is in your life. When it's used in an evil sense, it's a temptation. So Satan wants to use that trial, that difficulty, that circumstance that you and I may face to pull us down and to cause us to sin. That's Satan's MO. He wants to use that situation to pull us down and to bring us into a point of sin. God wants to use that to prove out how awesome he is in our lives and if we rely upon him. So same word, but different implication as it's applied between good and evil. But each one is tempted, verse 14, when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. So each one is tempted, pulled down, when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. So Again, now you see this when we're reading about David up on the roof, seeing who this is, you know, finding out, hey, she's really hot, so I'm going to send for some of my guys to go down and get her. You know, this is, this is what he's thinking. You know, this is how I'm going to uh, do this. And gosh, I'm king. I can do whatever I want. You know? This is, this, I really believe this. I believe it started with just kicking back. I'm king. I'm ruler of all of this. God's made me ruler of all of this. And I'm just going to send other people to go engage in the battle. I'm just going to kick it here. And Satan sought opportunity to try and get at God through David. You, you know, we don't always think of this. But how people watch. People sometimes ask me, hey, well, what do you think about what happened down the road there? The vacant property now that's down the road a little ways. What do you think about what happened down the road? I said, man, it's just a horrible, grievous thing to me, man. It's a blight on all of us as Christians. You know, that's what I, that's what I really think about. I think it's a horrible thing. It's, it's grievous, and it's, it's a blight on all of us because, you know, it, it makes all of Christianity look bad in that sense, you know. And really, it kind of reflects on people's view of who God is. That's what really bums me out. It reflects on people's view of who God is. My God, your God, our God. You see, Satan tries to get at you, tries to get at me, get us to sin so that then it can reflect poorly on who God is. Satan could care less about you. He does not care about you. It, there's a lot of things that run through my mind. 
that aren't good and I can't say. But he does not care about you. You know? He doesn't care whether you live or die. He, he does not, not squat does he care about you. You're, you're just something he would just squash in a flash. He, he, he didn't care. The only thing that's between us and that is God <laughs> that prevents all that from happening. But don't ever think that he's wanting to do you any favors or anything. You know, there's no way. He just does not care. But one thing he does, if he can use you to make God look bad, he feels real good about that. And that's what this, that, that whole thing's about with David right now, ultimately make, trying to make God look bad. And you'll see it when we get to the conclusion of tonight's message. But each one is tempted when he's drawn away by his own desires and enticed. So it's not just drawn away by the desire, but then enticed. So I think drawn in is one thing, but then enticed is starting to lead to action. So drawn and enticed. So now there's a, a desire to act upon it. And then in verse 15, then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin and sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. Mark it. Man, I'm telling you, that is a scripture that plays out over and over and over again. When desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin and sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. Something's going to die. Sin brings death. Something is going to die. Apart from the appropriating the blood of the lamb in circumstances, something would die. And that's true. You know, sometimes friendships, because of sin, can be destroyed because of sin. But through the impartation of the blood of the lamb, through the forgiveness, and through acting upon that and expressing that one to another, God can restore a friendship, a relationship, because of the blood of the lamb. But Satan uses it and wants to have it for total destruction and annihilation of things. But because of the blood and the appropriating of the blood of the lamb, things can be saved. Now, what about Bathsheba? Real quickly, thinking about maybe what is going on. In Proverbs 11, Proverbs 11, verse 22, it gives us a little bit of an insight about what's going on or not going on here. As a ring of gold in a swine's snout, okay, so a ring of gold in a pig's snout looks pretty inappropriate, right? How's that fit? It doesn't. A nice gold ring in a pig's nose doesn't, you know, it doesn't fit, right? So is a lovely woman who lacks discretion. <laughs> I love the Proverbs, how they're written. I, I, I really do. It, it, uh, I don't know, tickles something inside my mind or something. I just, I really like the way they're written. You know, they just, it kind of, it's descript, you know? I, I can see, in my mind's eye, I can see this gold ring in a, in a pig's nose, and it just, God, that looks stupid, man. Who'd put a gold ring in a pig's nose? Well, and then you read the next part. So is a lovely woman who lacks discretion. Yeah, they both look stupid. Right? They're in, they don't fit. They don't match, right? It doesn't match. It does not match. That's the whole thing. It doesn't fit. Well, maybe she's doing things, you know, she's a, a beautiful woman, but she's doing something and in a place where she shouldn't be. I think there's where you get into, let's go on. Let's finish this out. We started 1 Peter 3. 1 Peter 3. When I was reading through this and thinking about it, this is the scriptures that the Lord just brought to my mind while kind of contemplating this. First Peter. 
you hit Second Peter, you've gone a little bit too far. Let's pick it up in verse 3 of chapter 3. Do not let your adornment, this is a speaking, Peter is here speaking to ladies. He says, do not let your adornment be merely outward, arranging the hair, wearing gold, or putting on fine apparel. Now, some people say, oh my gosh, you can't wear earrings, you can't wear, you know, you can't do whatever, whether you color your hair or you don't, or whatever it is. Um, but you, you can't do any of this stuff uh, because it's drawing attention to, no. I love uh, Jay Vernon McGee. Man, he's a great, great old feller. His whole thing was, you know, he just said, well, he said, some people say that, but you know, y'all know if the barn needs painting, you got to paint the barn. And that's what he used to say. So I kind of, I like that. Now, I'm glad he said it, not me. I just get to repeat it. I, I bear no, no blame in any of it, but I just think it's kind of funny. But the idea was in this scripture is that your identity as a woman is not in your appearance in totality. There's nothing wrong with looking nice. You know, I, I, there's nothing wrong with any of that. But the totality of who you are, your total identity is not in that. And so that's good. That's it's a good word. It says, rather let, in verse 4, let it be the hidden person of the heart with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. So you want to know what's precious in the sight of God? Something that God really sees as value is that gentle and quiet spirit. That's the incorruptible beauty that can lie within a woman. And I think so that's important. That's, you kind of see the contrast. It's not just in the outward appearance. In Titus, let's finish this with Titus chapter 2. Titus chapter 2. Same kind of context, basically. Kind of just New Testament instructions uh, for ladies. Titus chapter 2. I believe, beginning again with, uh, I think, verse uh, 3. Uh, the older women, likewise, that they be reverent in behavior, not slanders, not given to much wine, teachers of good things, that they admonish the young women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, homemakers, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be blasphemed. And again, I think the focus there is that you know, our interaction is in the Lord and healthy and that it honors God. Our interaction basically honors God. Our relationship between husbands and wives honors the Lord. Now, when you look at this with Bathsheba, it doesn't look like that's what's going on. That's all I have to say. I don't know what the motivation was for taking a bath on the roof. I understand, you guys, look at Culturally, they lived on their roofs, okay? I, they did. That, but it was not necessarily, specifically, a common practice to bathe on your roof. Not necessarily, okay? So that wasn't necessarily a practice. To live out on your roof and have things going on out on your roof and, you know, eat dinner out on your roof or, you know, that was like their, that was like their patio, right? So that, that, that wasn't odd. But to be doing that was maybe considered a bit odd. So but again, we're not positive exactly what the motivation was. But we can see those scriptures. So I guess the thought is, is today I watch so many, in particular younger gals, that you, know, you, you see all the MTV stuff um, and the different things of what the world's saying is an attractive appearance. And it, you know, 
we should be concerned about that. You should be concerned about what it is that someone's drawn to. That's, that's the best thing I can say. You know, what is it that you're wanting um, someone to be attracted to? That's all I have to say about that. I think the scripture has said enough. Let's move on. So, obviously, now she's, uh, David and Bathsheba have had relations. She finds out she's pregnant. Now it gets even worse. Then David sent to Joab, remember Joab's the uh, uh, leader in, in his army, saying, send me Uriah the Hittite. And Joab sent Uriah to David. When Uriah had come to him, David asked how Joab was doing and how the people were doing and how the war prospered. And then David said to Uriah, go down to your house and wash your feet. So Uriah departed from the king's house. He's basically saying, hey, go home, kick back at home for a while, hang out with your wife. That, that's basically what he's saying. So Uriah departed from the king's house, and a gift of food from the king followed him. But Uriah slept at the door of the king's house with all the servants of his lord and did not go down to his house. So when they told David, saying, Uriah did not go down to his house, David said to Uriah, did you not come from a journey? Why did you not go down to your house? Now, you know what he's trying to do, right? Right? It's pretty common sense here. But uh, David's trying to send Uriah, set him up to go down, have relations with his wife, and then therefore, hey, everything's taken care of. You know, she's going to have a baby, and boom, bang, bing, there you have it, right? So David's just trying to cover his tracks, right? Now, this is what happens the main bulk, or the, the main part of what we read out of James, kind of started, right? The sin has taken place. You know, when lust is first conceived, because birth to sin is sin, always brings death, you know, that type of thing, right? It's all, it's all, the, the process is in motion, well in motion. Sin is, has occurred. And now, Proverbs 28, 13. We can read that one quickly. Proverbs 28, 13 tells us, he who covers his sin will not prosper, but whoever confesses and forsakes them will have mercy. He who covers his sins will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them will have mercy. Wow, that's pretty straightforward, right? Again, we're just watching the word play out, what God says in his word, how it plays out over and over and over again. And the thing that's crazy is no one's exempt, none of us. This is spiritual truth that's in motion, and man, no one's exempt from how this plays out. Hi, this is Pastor Jim. Thanks for listening today. I know as God's Word goes out, it accomplishes the purposes for which He sent it. And I know that sometimes we hear a message like today's message and the Lord really starts to tug on our hearts. And if God's tugging on your heart and you've not been walking with the Lord and you want to get close with the Lord or you want to start a new life with Jesus, it's just a simple prayer away. You know, Jesus said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. You know, without the Lord, we're already perishing. We're perishing in our sin. We need a Savior. We need help. And, you know, I, I know you know that. I know you're hearing that. I know you're sensing that. And this is your opportunity to call out to the Lord and ask him to be your personal Lord and Savior. So I'm not talking about 
being religious, I'm talking about having a relationship, getting to know someone by introduction. And so this is an introduction. I want to introduce you to my friend Jesus, and he wants to make himself real to you. He loves you. He loves this world, and he loves you personally. He knows how many hairs you have on your head or how few you have. He knows what color they are. He knows the color of your eyes. He knows how tall you are. He knows everything about you. The Bible says that he loves you with a perfect love. And he wants you to believe on him and have everlasting life that you can spend all eternity with him. If you would, just pray this simple prayer of faith with me. Jesus, I want to open up my heart to you. Lord, I want to have everlasting life. I want to ask that you would forgive me of all my sin. I humble myself before you, Lord. I know I need you. I know that I've fallen short and sinned in many ways in many areas of my life. And so I ask that you would just come in and make my life new. I thank you for salvation. I thank you for everlasting life that now is mine in you. I ask that you'd fill me with your Holy Spirit, that I might walk with you and have life abundant. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed and received the Lord into your heart today, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us or another Bible teaching church in your area so you may be encouraged in your new journey. If you'd like more information about Living Fountains or Calvary Chapel, Kansas City, simply visit our website at calvarychapelkc.com. If you're in the Kansas City area and you'd like to join us for worship, the service times and directions can be found at calvarychapelkc.com. It's been great spending time with you today in God's Word, and we look forward to you joining us next time on Living Fountains.